0: Hi, this is Brad Keithley, Managing Director of Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Welcome to the weekly top three. The top three things on our mind here at Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets for the week of November 14th, 2022. The weekly top three is a regular segment on the Michael Duke Show. The show broadcasts on both Facebook Live and YouTube Live, as well as via streaming audio from the show's website weekdays from 6 to 8 a.m. also at the same locations. Keep in mind that in addition to these podcasts, during the week, you also can follow and participate in the discussion with us of these and other issues affecting Alaska's fiscal and economic condition by following us on the Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets Facebook page and through our posts on Twitter. This week, we only had time to cover the first two of our three issues. First, we explain why, at least from the fiscal side, Moderate is the wrong word to describe who won the legislative election. Second, we discuss the next big fiscal issue facing the state, the whatever-it-takes drive to increase K-12 spending. We'll get to the third issue, what impact the Willow and Pika oil projects are likely to have on this legislative session next week.
1: And now, let's join Michael. Well, Brad, we were just talking about the absolute exhaustion that many of us... I mean, I was exhausted last week anyway, just because of the, the whole thing, COVID thing. But I think people are just wiped out and uh, and, and they're frustrated. And you're going to give us a little bit of analysis today of, uh, you know, some of the discussion and talk around the moderates winning and all this kind of stuff. So I guess we'll start off there. What... Um, what 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 are we going to what are we going to hit on here
0: yeah i'm i'm not sure i'm going to relieve the uh, the exhaustion or the or the frustration but but a little bit of analysis i we're we're beginning to see a lot of articles that talk about moderate uh, moderates having won this election in Alaska moderates having won the legislature um, in Alaska and they go down through the list of either democrat seats or or moderate republican moderate republicans that that won seats um, and I and I want to push back a little bit on that. It, in Alaska, we tend to classify candidates based upon their position on social issues. Um, if they're socially moderate uh, or socially conservative or socially liberal, we tend to we tend to use that classification for uh, for them, uh, regardless of what their position is on fiscal issues. But fiscal issues are, are entirely separate and have a different mix. And you can be fiscally, you can be socially moderate and fiscally conservative you can be socially conservative and fiscally liberal there's there's the, the two don't necessarily and often don't overlap and and I think it we're, we're using the wrong term to describe on the fiscal side uh what's who we've elected in this in this election cycle there's on the fiscal side there's fiscal conservatives that that believe in cutting spending and reducing and and keeping spending down to essentially minimal, uh, requirements. Then there's fiscal moderates who believe in spending more, but they believe in spreading the burden, uh, across all those who, uh, who, who, benefit broadly, broadly basing the, the fiscal burden across all those. And then you have another category of, of, of fiscals, uh, fiscal positions, and they sort of fall into two categories. One is the limousine liberals, the liberals who want to spend, but they don't want to pay for it personally they want to shove the cost someplace else and the plutocratic republicans who again are are willing to spend as long as they don't have to pay for it as long as they can shove uh, the costs off on somebody else as long as their wealth enables them to 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 avoid um, uh, having to pay and i think what what we've elected this cycle if you look across the board is we've elected limousine liberals and plutocratic republicans Instead of moderate Republicans, you don't or instead of instead of moderates, you don't hear many people, uh, many candidates, very few candidates talking about we need to spend more, but we need to we need to broadly base the the revenue base so that it doesn't impact any given group unfairly. It doesn't it doesn't shift the burden to one group uh, or another. Sometimes you hear fiscal moderates talking about "We're, we're using a progressive income tax and that's too much. Uh, on uh, on the high end and that and that has it uh, has bad repercussions and so we need to broaden the burden uh more broadly or sometimes you hear fiscal monitors saying we're, we're pushing the burden too much down on middle and lower income alaska family or families and we need to broaden the burden you don't hear a lot of that um this election cycle instead what you hear are people like matt clayman from the from the liberal side saying uh you know that PFD—that's not a—that's not a big deal. That's not an important issue. We'll just use that to finance the additional spending that we that we want to undertake. Or you hear Kathy Geisel saying, oh, "We can't have taxes. Uh, we need to spend more. We need to spend on K through twelve, but we can't have taxes. And so we need to cont- we need to cut the PFD going forward." What you hear are plutocratic liberal, plutocratic Republicans and limousine liberals um uh, uh that are out there uh that, that campaigned campaign and at least to this point in the, in the cycle appear to be appear to be ahead and appear to be at least a lot of people are giving them credit for uh for winning their races so it's i i think i think the press and and i linked a nat hertz blog um to for for you know for reference point on this when i when i sent you the list i i i think the press is doing a disservice to the state by by terming the people who were elected on a fiscal on the fiscal side as being as being moderates because they're not they're they're not none of them are are saying we need to spend more but we need to spread it over all Alaska, over all Alaska families so that the burden on any one family is relatively low they're not none of them are saying that they're all saying a variation of cut the PFD pay for it we need to spend more but cut the PFD and pay for it that way. Shoving the burden onto middle and uh, lower income Alaska families. And I and I think what we need is a recognition that we don't have that we didn't elect fiscal moderates. We elected people who want to spend, and that looks like a moderate sort of, because moderates do want to spend, but they don't, but but they don't fill the second criteria of moderate which is we want to spread the burden over the broadest possible base in order to keep the, the burden on any given um, Alaska family uh, uh, low. They, all of them are trying to, all of them are trying to push the burden off on, off on middle and lower income Alaska families. To some degree, what we're setting up is a replay of the 20 teens, right? 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17. It's, it's we need to spend, but but we don't want to we don't want to pay for the burden ourselves so we need to shove it someplace else in the 20 teens we shoved it on future future generations i mean by draining savings by using the savings that that was intent that's intended for all generations by using the savings for this generation we shove the burden off on future generations who will have to build up their own savings for when they hit their own uh, fiscal difficulties now in the 2020s we're setting up a situation where we've elected candidates who are going to go in there and still say, I don't want to pay for it. We need to spend more, but I don't want to pay for it. And now the, the, the burden is going to be shifted to middle and lower, uh, lower income Alaska families. And that's just, that's just not a moderate position. So I, I, I push back and I, and I think that, that we would, the Alaska press would benefit. The Alaska media would benefit by better describing uh, the positions of the candidates on fiscal issues instead of just just taking whatever their position is on social issues and applying it broadly across the candidate and, or just saying oh they want, they want to spend so they must be moderate I, I think I think we would be better served if the media went in and analyzed the actual fiscal position of the candidates who appear to be winning and analyze what their what their position is on the revenue side, on the funding side, and realize that we don't have moderates. Realize that we don't have people who are saying we need to spread the base. We need to spread this burden broadly across all Alaska families. Realize that we have plutocrats on the Republican side and we have limousine liberals uh, on the Democrat side.
1: I mean, this is what uh, I've said for, uh, we've been saying for quite a while here on the program that really that the party labels and, and really the moderate conservative labels almost don't apply anymore. This all comes down to, Are you pro-government spend or are you pro-private sector spend? Are you protecting, are you for protecting the private sector and the private economy or are you for bolstering up the public economy at all costs? And that's, it's the same kind of thing, right? Right.
0: It's, 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 it's in part that. And then if you're for bolstering up the government economy, how you're going to pay for it. I mean, you can be moderate, you can be moderate. You can fit the, the label of fiscal moderate if you're, you're for additional spending that you believe is needed but you're willing to pay for it by by spreading the burden broadly as opposed to shoving it on one class or another you can be you can you can fit the the definition of fiscal moderate uh if you do that but we don't have we don't have anybody we don't have any candidates that i'm aware of that are that are arguing for that that form of of, of funding i mean what they're arguing for is well we got this other big pot of money we used to have savings we used to have a big pot of money and savings and so we'll spend that down and Now we have this big pot of money that that is in the PFD, and we'll just and we'll just spend that down. So it's, um, it, it is in part, it is in part, you know, favoring government over the private sector. But even even when you favor government, you can still be moderate if you if you spread the burden. If your proposal is to spread the burden broadly, so that no one sector has to pay uh, a, a, a huge amount or a disproportionate amount for it. We don't have that. that. That's not what's going on with uh, with with people who have been elected back to the legislature again. So I, I just I think it's a I think it's a misnomer. Again on the on the fiscal side, I, I'm not, I'm not an expert on the social side, and I'm not even going to try to get into that. But but we tend we, we what we what we're seeing is people who are uh, being ascribed the conservative or the or the moderate level, label uh, based upon their social position, position on social issues, as opposed to what right. they're actually arguing on the fiscal side.
1: Well, can I ask you to sidebar for just a second? And maybe sure. we'll do, this is a subcategory of one, uh, of number one of the weekly <laughs> top three, but y- 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 explain to me why in your mind, this is where we're at with this election. I mean, we we hear a lot of dissatisfaction. We saw a lot of dissatisfaction and frustration. And yet when push came to shove, a lot of those candidates who were more conservative in many ways, I mean true conservatives, um have gotten uh, have gotten the boot. And so what what are your thoughts on how the election has turned out and this move towards what is ostensibly a more moderate right uh kind of thing or maybe a more pro-government spend side of the world what what give me your thoughts on why that that happened i think i think it's a combination of things
0: one i think um i i, I think the I, I think the perception is the last legislature failed to come come to grips with our fiscal situation and they didn't deserve to come back. Um, I mean, Kathy Geisel made a big deal with uh, uh, with Roger Holland uh, in arguing that he didn't solve anything. Um, it, that he was just there and he was, you know, tried to gut programs or tried to change programs, but he didn't solve anything. And I think it's a a general frustration with the lack to, uh, lack of coming to grips with the fiscal plan. I think that's uh, I think that's lack of coming to grips with the solution to the situation that we face. I think that's one. Two. I think there is a perception that um, we need to spend more in certain areas, and 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 the Roger Hollands of the world and 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 others weren't going to do that. Um, it, it, this plays out a lot in Fairbanks. I mean, I, I watched a couple of Fairbanks races closely, and I think there was the perception that we do need to spend more on K through twelve. We do need to spend more on teachers, um, and and the conservatives just aren't going to do that. Uh, and so we need to find somebody uh, in our legislative races who's going to look out for our district, our interests. Uh, we need to find somebody who's who's gonna do that, regardless of how they're gonna pay for it. Um, and I think there was a perception that 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 we do need additional spending in certain areas. And I think uh, I, I think candidates made inroads by by suggesting that that they would um, take up that uh, that flag and uh, and and push forward on spending. So combination of, We didn't get a solution. We had, we had Dunleavy as governor. We had a concert. We had conservative, uh, uh, legislators. They didn't come to a solution. We're still facing this, the same issue. Um, and, you know, and we need to be changing our road a little bit by spending a little more here and there. And, uh, and the conservatives aren't going to do it. So let's elect people. Let's elect people who are.
1: So in part, what you're saying is that K-12 spending cry that we heard in a lot of campaigns was effective. I mean, that was an effective message to to engage the electorate and get them involved, because don't you you love children, right? You you don't you don't hate children. and, And and of course, they all need it, regardless of the analysis of how much we've spent or what we're spending right now or what we're getting for what we're spending. All none of that mattered. It was just it's for the children. I mean, that that kind of was the winner of this election cycle.
0: Well, yeah, and you and I talked about it at the time the first the headline first headlines hit about Anchorage closing schools. I mean, that was that was that was going to be their closing drive. That was I don't know if it was an October surprise or a September surprise, but that was going to be the closing drive. And and I think we I think I talked about it at the time as being the, similar to the the National Guard controversy that that, you know, that took care of Parnell in 2014. You just heard about it every day and every day and every day and every day until the election. And so you had questions about, you know, what Parnell actually did uh, with respect to the National Guard issue. And here we heard about education every day and every day and every day. The the difference is the K through 12 is not going to go away. It's going to it's going to continue through the legislative session because the drive is going to be, as we'll talk about in the next segment, the drive is going to be to to expand K through 12. And then you're going to get the tag alongs. Oh, well, if we're going to expand K through 12, we need teacher retention. And if we need teacher retention, we need to find benefits for teachers. And then that's going to expand and we need to find benefits for more government. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's going to grow and grow and grow. But, but it was very effective. I mean, it, it, to, to the average mom and pop out there, to the average voter seeing those headlines every day about closing schools, and I'm sure the schools were strategically chosen based upon election districts as opposed to something else. Um, uh, is closing schools uh, in Anchorage, in particular, but you know the K through twelve. Then we had the articles about, oh, this is not just an Anchorage issue; it's a statewide right, issue. Right, right, right. banks had to close issues, had to close schools last last year. You know, out in the Delta, out in the YK Delta, it's a problem. Up in Nome, it's a problem. Down in the Southeast, it's a problem. It's just, I mean, yeah, that was that was a big driver, and I think uh, I think people responded to it. And the conservative response was, oh, we'll we'll fix that, but then. <laughs> but then they hadn't fixed. Um, we hadn't fixed the fiscal situation in the, in the last legislature in the last four years. So, right. What the, the surprise, the surprise really to me, sort of, and it shows, it it shows to some degree how the role the Valley plays in, in electing governors, because it's so deep red and it votes so strongly for Republican governors that it just sort of overwhelms the rest of the state. But the surprise to me is uh, one one legislator I talked to put it that we elected a Bill Walker legislature. Uh, the, the surprise to me is that we didn't elect is it is that they didn't go ahead and and, and, and elect a, a gubernatorial candidate? I, I think that's I think that shows how bad uh, uh, Walker was as a candidate and and how difficult a road uh, less had uh, as a candidate. I think it also shows when you know one area of the state votes 90 to ten. Uh, in favor of a Republican candidate, the the rest of the state doesn't overwhelm it, can't overwhelm it. But it's um, but the surprise sort of is, yeah, we elected a, a Walker legislature, but uh, but we didn't elect a Walker governor. So right. how, how that's going to play out is going to be an interesting issue as, as as we go through the next four years. But but right. but I but I but I think K through 12 was that was was a, was a huge driver.
1: Brad, you're hearing also, of course, we're hearing the the rumblings about the organization and what's going to be happening, and what it looks like right now is they're going to want to shut the conservatives out uh, in the Senate. I'm hearing that there's already basically a plan in place, and that Shower and Hughes and and uh, Myers are going to be basically sitting on their hands, uh, and their uh, their the whole attempt is basically is to discredit them and move them over to the outside um i'm going to i'm going to leave you to the screen here for a second uh just wax poetic about uh, what you see as far as it comes to the uh organization of the uh, of the senate and the house and give me your thoughts until until i return there you go
0: <laughs> well on the on the senate side i think michael you're right i think uh, uh it looks like that is going to be a uh, a coalition uh, uh the question is who's going to be headed by gary stevens's rumored to be the Senate president in one in one form. Uh, that makes sense to have a Republican uh, a Republican moderate uh heading it up in one form. So uh that's uh, uh that seems to be uh that that seems to be the direction that the the, the Senate's headed in. I think it will be disappointing if it's just Shelly, Mike and uh and Rob that are uh, in the con- that are in the minority. Uh it'll if if Kaufman joins the the majority and if uh, uh, Jesse Bjorkman and, and others uh, join the majority. I think they will regret the day when it comes to uh, future election cycles. But but that's their choice. Uh, that's their choice to make. I think. I think. I think they ought to show more conservative principles than uh, than just joining uh, with uh, the coalition of the day. On the House side, um, it certainly it's much much un- more unclear about what's going to go on over there. Uh, I, one analysis I i i have have followed uh the theme of it is that uh um the uh uh the house sh- the administration will push back and make the house different or try to make the house a, a republican led co uh, a republican led body so that uh, so that there's a uh, not a coalition in both bodies that they're not facing a coalition in both bodies that gives the administration more credit i think than they've shown over the years and their ability to influence where the legislature goes. But, but, but that's one theory. Um, I do think the Republicans will try to, will try hard, uh, to, to organize on the Republican side, but, uh, but, but Bryce is a Bryce Edgman is a force on, on trying to pick people off and get people to come back over to a coalition. And, uh, and there are going to be Republican, uh, legislators, uh, that are going to be, uh, that are going to be, you know, susceptible to doing that. Um, either in either event, even if it's a coalition, I'm not sure that means that the that the so-called moderates or progressives or limousine liberals or however you want to classify them. Um, even if there's a coalition on both sides, I don't think that means that they run run uh, wild. What it does put though is a lot of a lot more pressure on Dunleavy, uh, on the governor, on how he's going to push back uh, and when he's going to push back. Uh, Dunleavy has, has shown the, the inclination to fight sometimes and not fight other times. And, and it'll be interesting to see if there is coalitions on both sides and they do pass a lot of, of, of moderate legislation uh, headed toward the governor. It'll be interesting to see how Dunleavy reacts to that. And that sort of goes back to the discussion we had, had last time, which is what's Dunleavy's plan for these next four years? Right. Does he, want, does he want to leave a legacy? Does he want to build up some sort of solution to the fiscal situation, or does he just want to rock along four more years, sort of like he has the last four years, and sort of preserve whatever credibility he has uh, as as just you know whatever whatever his brand is, um, and and take on Lisa if she wins this election, uh, take on Lisa two years after the the end of his governor's. Governor's term, so I um, it, there's a there's a lot of unknowns. Clear, clear. I think it's clear that we'll have a coalition on the Senate side. It's just a question of how many members are in there. Um, and on the and on the House side, I, I don't think it's clear yet what we'll have. Uh, but uh, whatever it has, uh, whatever we whatever we end up with, I don't think we're going to have a huge amount of legislation that gets all the way through the governor.
1: Well, and and uh, I do not have the confidence that Governor Dunleavy is going to take the strong stance with the red pen if all these moderates get in there and, or, you know, all these mo- coalitions and, and uh, you know, limousine, like you're saying, plutocrats and liber- limousine liberals, if they do all this stuff. I just don't have the confidence that he's going to go in there and be that bastion of fiscal conservatism that we hoped he would be. Um, because as you said, I think he might have eyes towards the, few, maybe not, maybe, maybe he does, but I don't have the confidence that he's going to step up and, and clip those things out quickly. If,
0: if, you know, my hope would be probably unlikely to come about, but my hope would be if there is a push for spending on both sides, if for example, a K through a big K through 12 spending bill gets through and if defined benefits gets through. I would hope Dunleavy would at least use that as an opportunity to fashion an overall fiscal uh, fiscal conclusion, fiscal uh, uh,
1: resolution. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. And uh, we were just talking about the number one issue. Now on to number two, which, of course, is the next big spending thing. The next big spending thing is going to be... That K-12 spend that we've been hearing about, how we're just not spending enough on children. We're just not spending enough on education. That's why our scholastic aptitude is so bad. That's why, because we can't retain teachers and we can't do this and we can't do that. And it's because we're not spending, I mean, we spend more than almost any other state in the nation, but we are not spending enough because we're unique and we need more money to make it work. Brad, uh, number two.
0: Well, yeah. So that's going to be the push uh, that we need to spend more. We need to spend more on the BSA. We need to spend more, on, no doubt, on the adjusters. And, and, and while we're at it, we need to go in and we need to fix teacher retention by notwithstanding the fact the entire country's having problems with teacher retention. know we're going to fix we're going to fix it we're going to fix all this teacher retention problem by by defined benefits uh uh, by adding a defined benefits program and and while we're at that while we're fixing the teacher uh, retention program why don't we go in and fix you know the troopers and everybody else and why don't we just do defined benefits across the board and and make everybody happy again um so that's that i mean that that's going to be that's going to be the push on the spending side and it's going to be a big push and you can see from the election, you can see it from the headlines, you can see it from the Anchorage School Board. Uh, Elise Galvin was on uh, was on Alaska Public Media and talking about how we need to, you know, fix education by all this additional money. Here's here's where I think the soft underbelly of of that issue is, and and that is who pays. Um, I've had discussions with with people who have said, when I've asked, you know, they they've talked about the need for all this spending. And my response is, okay, who pays? And well, you know, regrettably, we're going to have to use the PFD. Okay. So basically you want middle and lower income Alaska families to pay. You don't want the top 20% to have to pay anything uh, toward it. Um, and and so you're just going to shove it all off on middle. Well, I don't, I don't want to do that. I mean, that's unfair. If we're trying to, if we're trying to, you know, deal with kids, we ought to deal with families also. And, and, and I don't want to do that. All right. Well, then, then we're, you're, going to, you're going to, you're going to support a broad based funding for it the, where everybody uh, contributes equitably toward the costs. Well, yeah, I don't know if I, w- I don't know if I want to do that, but, but that's fairer, and so and so, yeah, maybe we ought to we ought to push for that. I think, to me, and and the, you'll hear a lot from me on this issue as we go through the legislature. I think that the real, the the soft underbelly, the way to deal with this issue is to say, you don't, you shouldn't want middle and lower income Alaska families to have to pick up the entire the entire burden. You, you should want to spread that burden equitably across all Alaska families. And when the top 20% realize that they're going to have to pay a share for, of that, when they realize they're not going to be able to just lean back and say, yeah, spend whatever you want as long as we don't have to pay for it. If they if, When they realize they're going to have to pay a share of that, they're going to kick in. The donor class is going to kick in and start pushing back on it. As I've said before, as we talked before on the show, you and I can spend all day, several days, every week, every month, you know, the entire year talking about all of the reasons why we don't need to expand K through 12 spending. Or if we do, it needs to be in very selected areas and we need to take advantage advantage of efficiencies efficiencies in other areas. And so there there doesn't need to be an overall need in spending. We sort of need to reorient it. You and I can talk all day about that. But politically, if the donor class isn't talking about that, if they aren't pushing back on their representatives, on their legislators on that issue, you and I are just basically talking to ourselves because the legislators are going to listen to us to a point, but they're going to listen to their donors more. And if the donors are saying, yeah, yeah, we probably ought to spend more, but just make sure I don't have to pay for it. Um, it as as long as that's what's going on, we're going to end up spending a lot more. I think, I think the pushback on the whatever-it-takes approach, uh, which is what, what I hear often from from people who are supporting additional K-12 spending. We got to spend it whatever it takes. Um, I think the pushback on that uh, is to say, no, if, if, you're, if your point is we need to look after the kids, we need to look after Alaska families, we need to make sure working Alaska families have the opportunities, all the opportunities available to them that you think they ought to have available to them, Then we need to spread that cost equitably so that we're just not we're just not you know undermining your objective if you want to make working alaska families better uh, by spending more you're you're going to undo it if you push all of the costs of of that additional spending off on middle and lower income alaska families off on working alaska families so to achieve your objective you've got to spread the burden more you've got to get it you've got to make sure that all alaska families are contributed equitably that's a burden is spread broadly so that the so that you minimize the burden on uh, on any one family and and to me that has some impact uh when uh, when when you're pushing back on K through 12 spending because it engages the top 20% the top 20% then starts pushing back themselves uh on K through 12 spending
1: I guess I would agree with that, except for you and I have been talking about this for years. You and I have been I mean, we've been talking about this specific argument that this is and this is not something that the news media is picking up on. It's not something that anybody else is really talking about. And so they can just blame. I mean, you, I know you've talked to the legislator about it. You've, you've, you've written articles. We've talked about it on the program here. I've talked about it, but I, I mean, nobody else seems to be picking up that mantra and talking about what about the equitability of the spread and anything else. And so it just, it gets ignored. How do we, I mean, how do we make people think about this? I mean, that that's the big thing. I mean, I agree. Your argument is a sound argument, but it's not getting out there to the common Joe. They don't, you know, they don't. They're not. They're not making these uh, leaps of of logic and and seeing that. How do we get the the messaging out there? Because the legislature is not listening to that because they can ignore it because nobody else is picking it up. Michael, I can only uh, we uh, we can only do what we can do. I mean, I I,
0: I write the weekly column for the Landmine. Uh, we have the weekly program here. Part of it is I. <laughs> I think conservatives, fiscal conservatives, need to pick up on that argument. Uh, I, they want to say that we just shouldn't be spending. And as we saw in this election cycle, that just got rolled over. That position got rolled over. And, and so I think they, people who are listening to this program, uh, I think they need to be arguing. Fiscal conservatives ought to be arguing we shouldn't be spending. put that down as your, as your first marker, if you want to, but if we're going to spend, it should be distributed. The cost should be distributed broadly. And, and I think they need, I think fiscal conservatives need to pick up that argument uh, as well. Basically what the, what their argument has been this point to this point is uh, we shouldn't be spending more full stop period. End of statement. I don't want to discuss it anymore. That didn't win. That argument doesn't win. We saw in this election cycle that argument doesn't win. You get rolled over, it, it, at least in this environment. You get rolled over when you make that argument. So to me, we need to have more people making the argument that you shouldn't be spending more. But if you are, make sure you spread it broadly. I think I think more people making that argument uh, would uh, would be helpful. I mean, it, I think it would I think it would motivate maybe Republicans Republican moderates. Who are who are trying to push forward with spending and get away with uh, pushing it all off on middle and lower income Alaska families? Uh, I think it might make uh, might make them think twice. But it's <laughs> yes, you and I have talked about it a lot. Uh, but I think to this point, conservatives have have not wanted to go that additional step because they've said it's just enough to say I'm going to stop spending. I, I don't I don't think that works.
1: I'm not saying it's the wrong argument, Brad. I'm just saying that. You know, we've been beating this drum and yet there's not I mean, it, you know, especially in the journalism. I mean, they're not they're not looking at it's like they're just taking the talking points and regurgitating them instead of, you know, having some analytical thought on it and say, well, OK, great. But where does the money come from? Where does, you know, who pays and, and all that kind of stuff? I mean, it's just it seems like more and more it's just the rubber stamp mill more than anything else. Nobody is really addressing this issue that we keep bringing up.
0: I, you know, it's 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 places like Must Read. I mean, Must Read is 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 uh, uh, for all of its bad, for all of its good, and its bad. It's it's a broadly read, broadly read publication, and and Must Read has been among those who just said no more spending. Period. End of stop. You know, full stop. That, that's just it. And 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 I and I, and I and I understand why you argue that. I mean, you and I argued that in the early twenty teens. We shouldn't. We just shouldn't spend more until until to me at least the, the the ball just kept going and going and going and and, and you, I, you had to develop an additional argument um I think must I think must read in places like that need to sort of wake up to this argument if they continue to just say we don't need to spend more full stop that's the end of my that's a, that's the end of my discussion if you, if you just run over me if you're going to spend more I don't have any anything else to say then I think they're going to get run over but but I think that publication and I think other, you know, Republican talking points need to be, well, we don't think you ought to spend more, but if you're going to spend more, at least distribute it broadly. At least don't focus it on middle and lower income uh, Alaska families. And, and I think that sort of argument, if made more broadly, will start seeping into the, into the public discussion.
1: I... I I hope so. I really hope so. Because again, the irony of this whole thing is that they supposedly are trying to protect average working class Alaskans and instead they're stealing the future from average working class Alaskans and their children uh, because they're, you know, taxing the PFD for all those kids as well. Uh, And so it's it, it, it. It's insane. It it really is just insane. But you're right. This idea that we're just going to stand there and grumble and say, "Well, we're just only going to do cuts and that's it." I'm not talking to you anymore. That makes no sense whatsoever. Because obviously, I mean, it's we're obviously in a minority. I mean, we've talked about this on the program, and it's been the position, my position, for a long time that we should cut, um, and that uh, you know that they're really that should be one of the only options out there. But it's obviously not the winning message it's obviously not what people really want in the long run
0: and 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 Michael it's because it's because people like Matt Clayman are able to go out and say let's spend more and by the way you don't have to pay for it all my donors you don't have to pay for it because I found a way to, to shove it off on middle and lower income Alaska families and and so let's spend more you don't have to pay for it you feel guilty about the fact that we're gonna have to close schools and all that sort of stuff so help me spend more you don't have to pay for it and we'll be and we'll be fine it's a, it's a different thing if Matt Clayman has to go and say to his donors, help me spend more. You have to pay for a bunch of it, but, but help me spend more. You're going to get people pushing back. The donor class, the top 20%, are going to start pushing back on that. So it's, you know, I, I understand, I, to me, the way that, that conservatives can, can keep themselves whole in this situation is say, first position, don't spend more. But don't stop there because we're getting run over by, by voters. Don't spend more. But if you're going to spend more, at least spread the burden broadly to all, to all Alaska families, as opposed to concentrating it on middle and lower income Alaska families. That to me should be the conservative message as opposed to just, just don't spend more and I stop, you know, that's, that's, and I'm going to stand in the stand in the doorway. Well, guess what? They just pushed through you when you st- when you stood in the doorway.
1: You know what would be an, as an interesting thought experiment? What would be interesting is to get all the people who have been no more spending, basically turning around and saying, "Okay, what we need is a broad based tax. Period. That's it. I mean, just you know, we're going to pay for it just a broad based tax. Period. That's what we should all get behind. Could you? the ground the groundswell of a bunch of people saying okay just give us a broad based tax um and then the screeching that you would hear from the donor class on that side that would be an interesting i mean it's never going to happen but it would be interesting to see people like me who have been anti up until this point just basically say well the only solution is to get them all is to bite them all bite put everybody get skin in the game there you go boom everybody pays a tax period
0: yeah and, and, and you don't have to give up the principle of don't spend more it's i mean i, I think it's a two prong it's don't spend more you, we don't need to spend more but if you're going to spend more make sure it gets spread broadly so it doesn't get focused just on middle and lower income alaska families and and, and it's not you know go to, please tax me it is don't tax anybody don't spend more but if you're going to do it at least make sure that everybody uh, has skin in the game. I think that's a, I think that is, th- that is a fiscally conservative position. I mean, it is a fiscally responsible position. Don't spend more, but if you're going to do it, at least make sure everybody has skin in the game and everybody's involved in that, in that additional spending. I, I, I don't, I mean, it's not saying tax me, tax me. It's saying don't tax me, but if you're going to tax me through PFD cuts, if you're going to spend more, then at least, then at least, spread it broadly.
1: Maybe we should just come out and advocate for the tax right now. Just boom, just just go ahead, tax it, broad-based tax, make, you know, it, make it happen.
0: Interestingly enough, the, the people that have spoken about that issue the most are Mike Shower, Shelley Hughes, uh, uh, Rob Myers, <laughs> people who have said basically. I mean, Shower said in the context of the of the fiscal policy working group. Hughes has said on and off on various occasions if you're going to spend more than it needs to be, than it needs to be broadly based. And I, and, and I think that's a very, I think that's a very solid position.
1: To take. We didn't even get to number three, Brad. It's sad. It's sad. We'll do it. Next but time. that's, that's where it is. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for sustainable, Budgets. appreciate you coming on board.
0: Well, that's a wrap for another week's edition of the weekly top three from Alaskans for sustainable budgets. Thank you again for joining us. Remember that you can find past episodes on our YouTube SoundCloud, Spotify, and Substack pages. And keep track of us during the week on Facebook and Twitter. This has been Brad Keithley, Managing Director of Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We look forward to you joining us again next week on the weekly top three.